We are starting, not only is there a new season starting, but we're starting a new sermon series in the, in the church as well. Over the last few weeks, we've been uh, uh, talking about who we are trying to minister to. And, and what we've been saying there is that our, our calling is to minister to anyone and everyone. That it's not our job to, to judge, to seg, uh, segment people out, to, to say you belong, you don't. That, that anyone and everyone that comes into our presence, we're called to love them. To, to extend the, the unconditional love of God to, to them. And we're going to take that a step farther this morning. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're in, we're in Lent. We're moving towards Easter. Easter is the time where we celebrate the fact that, that we've been saved from our sin, that, that Christ paid the ultimate price for us, that he conquered death, and uh, that even death could not stop him. And he was resurrected and, and has given us an eternal hope uh, that he's still alive, that he's present with us. And as we move there, we, we sort of want to examine where we are and make sure we're on the same page as him. If he is the, uh, the author of the church, if, if he is the bride of the church, as the scriptures say, we, we want to make sure we're in concert with him. Uh, actually, we're the bride of Christ. He's not the bride of the church. Never mind. I didn't want anybody coming back later and saying I was a heretic. So I wanted to make sure I, I, I explained to you I just don't know how to talk. I know what I'm saying, though, but... But we, uh, so what, what we're doing over the next few weeks is we're, we're moving from who we minister to to the method of our ministry. How are we going to minister? And, and the, the thing that we are going to be talking about is when it comes to ministry, we want to make sure that we're willing to do anything and everything to share the love with, of God with others. That we want to do anything and everything. We don't want barriers to get in the way. We don't want fear to get in the way. We don't want money to get in the way. We don't want excuses to get in the way. We want to make sure that we're willing to do anything and everything to minister to others with the, the love of God. Anything and everything. And if, if you think that that's just sort of church growth language, it's, it's, good, it's good principles for church growth, but it's actually, it's actually what Jesus taught us that we need to do as followers of his or his disciples. You see, in our, in our culture, we have made Christianity so much about us that, that we have missed this whole thing. Uh, the, the, the idea of what Christians are supposed to be doing, they're supposed to be joining God, who through Jesus Christ is reaching out to reconcile the world, to save the world, to change the world, to restore the world to his plan. We are supposed to be in, in partnership with him. We're partners. We are his hands and feet. We are the ones that live out the, the plans that he has to change the world. But throughout the, throughout, especially the last century, church has become about what, does it, what do you have to give to me? What, what are you doing for my kids? What are you doing for me? How many more programs can you have? You, you did a Bible study on Monday. Can you do one on Tuesday? Do you have this program? Do you have that program? Do you have this program, that program, that program? That's ridiculous enough, but then it goes a step further. I don't like a church that does that kind of music. I don't like a church that does that kind of music. How come we have chairs instead of pews? How come you don't have a pipe organ? How come we do have a piano? How come you play guitar? I don't like guitar. I like piano. How come you don't wear a robe? I get that all the time. Let me tell you the secret. When you all start wearing robes, I will too. (laughs) When robes become... When robes become the casual dress of Spicewood, Texas, I will wear one too. Now, 
Now, we have missed the point of church, is what I'm trying to say. We, 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 have, we have made church about us. And actually, church is the extension of Jesus Christ. Church is the way that Jesus is going to save the world. Bill Hybels, who's in Chicago, uh, pastor of a bit, he, he, he's fond of saying, he says this all the time, the church is the hope of the world. And I believe that. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the way that God is going to minister to the needs, to the brokenness of this world. The church is the hope of the world. But if the church doesn't understand who it's supposed to be, that hope is blackened. And so we want to make sure that we are on the right path with that. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that in different ways this morning. What we're going to talk about is that we want to make sure there's no barriers to, to God's love. That as we say we want to do anything and everything, that we're willing to knock down any barriers that might exist. I'm going to talk about that in two ways. One way is the way that we minister is in practicalities of, of barriers that people have in coming to a church, of how we can put those down. The other way is the most important way. It's what everything is based on. The fact that there was a big barrier between us and God. It's called sin. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute. There's a big barrier. No one could get over it, but God found a way to, to get over it for us. Something we couldn't do for ourselves, he accomplished on our behalf. And, and, since, and what we'll see is that he, he was willing literally to do anything and everything for us to, to accomplish that. And so as, if he did that for us, why don't we do that for other people? Well, barriers. They're in the church all the time. Some of you have had those. Some of you... It was a big deal for you to get up and come to church this morning because you have some barriers about church, right? Uh, for those of you that grew up in church, you're weird people. You know, think about your son or, or you know, your cousin or somebody that, that doesn't come to church. Put yourself in their head because, I mean, come on, realistically, who gets up and on a Sunday morning, a beautiful Sunday morning, who gets up, comes to church, sits in a, in a chair and listens to some guy talk and, and sing some songs? How many got up this morning and went, wow, that would be a great thing? Well, you know, you learn that, and I'm glad you're here. Don't, don't miss it. But there are lots of barriers to that. Normal people don't do that. There's lots of barriers. What are some of the barriers? Some of the barriers are, you know what the biggest barrier to Christianity is? Christians. We're the barrier. For a lot of people, they looked at us, they looked at what, we're, what, we, what we say, what we do, and they went, wow, if that's what they're teaching there, I don't want any part of it. They're hypocrites. They, they, and yes, we are. I mean, just, we are. We, we, hopefully we're trying not to be, but we, none of us live up to who we want to be. We're, we're hypocrites. But that's a barrier for folks. Church just wants my money. If, that's all they care about there. They just want the money. Well, yeah, you need money to run a church, but that's, there's ways that you can work around. There's lots of barriers that people have. Maybe they grew up in a very judgmental, or their experience at church was they went and they just were sort of hammered or told that they were stupid or that there's all sorts of barriers, aren't there, to church? That, that whole thing I was talking about with my dress, that's, that's a barrier. I'm trying to overcome a barrier there because there's this, there's this perception that as a pastor that I'm different. I have enough to overcome without having to overcome a dress. So by not wearing a dress, I am communicating that I'm a normal person. Uh, because, uh, and 
frankly, a lot of pastors like that whole being elevated thing, but it just the higher you are, the farther you fall as far as I'm concerned. But the, the, by dressing casually, it allows that barrier to be done. Our, our way of communicating, our, the casualness of the service, that can overcome a barrier. That instead of the these and thous and stand up, sit down, fight, 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 pray, 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 all the ways that we do church, that you're able to, to actually hear a message. There's lots of ways that we try to address, but there's barriers for church, isn't there? If you got friends that aren't Christians, you got friends that don't go to, you know what some of them are. As I said, some of you have overcome them. Maybe some of you are still working through them. And I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not the one that puts you over the edge and you don't come back after today, but there's barriers. And as we do church, what, what it can become and what church has become, I, I go to these denominational meetings and stuff, and, and we spend so much time worrying about how we do things that we forget about what we're supposed to be doing. We, we get so worried about programs. We get so worried about offering that we forget that there is a basic relational thing that we have to offer. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. That we want to be a church that does anything and everything to share the love of God with others. Let me, let me preface that so that as we're going through, you don't mishear what I'm going to say. Because I, a lot of you have been in church before. You think, okay, to do anything and everything means we got to have preschool, this kind, that kind. This, that, and you're, you automatically go to programs in your mind. Okay? Programs are for the people that are already here. Okay? And I, I just, I'll let you know right up front. If you don't like it, there's plenty of churches that do it off of. We're not trying to build an entertainment center here. That's what most programs are about, is entertaining you and your family. Make sure that you got enough to do. Now, there's great things to do, but, and there's great ways to do that, and there's ways that we can extend that to people outside, but that's not our primary focus, is to make sure that you're entertained over the summer, okay? Our primary focus is to minister the love of God to other people to minister to the need, to the hurt, to the, to the broken, to the, to the lonely. Now, sometimes you accomplish that through programs. Don't miss it. I know I'm confusing. I can tell by your faces. You're, there's some of you that are struggling right now. It's not that programs are bad, but that's not our primary focus, okay? Our primary focus is we want to share the love of God with someone else, Okay? We're going to talk about this by looking at a scripture. We're, the basis of this, as I said, this is not church growth talk. This is the basis of the gospel, and you're going to see it. This is fundamentals, fundamentals. And for some of you, you've heard this a hundred times, and you know what? That's okay. If you're in sports, you've got to practice fundamentals. You've got to do them over and over and over again. In fact, if the Texas Longhorns would learn how to shoot free throws, they'd still be in the tournament. <laughs> if, they, if they could practice those fundamentals, they would still be in the tournament, Okay. So, as Christians, some of us need to work on our free throws, all right? So you're going to hear it again. It's not going to hurt you to hear it again, all right? We're going we're to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Maybe something you have heard over and over, and maybe you can hear something new today. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, and this will be good news for you this morning. But we're going we're to take a look at the basics of the gospel, how it applies to us, and then how we can turn around and make that the basis of our ministry as we try to reach out to the world, okay? Remember what I said, that there is a basic problem in our, in our world, okay? What it's called is sin. Uh, some of you may be uncomfortable with that word, okay? Brokenness, hurtfulness, what, however you want to say it. But be real, 
there's evil in the world. We don't live up to our potential. And there's a perfect God that we believe created everything. That perfect God cannot live in the presence of brokenness. Perfection and imperfection don't go together. If perfection is polluted by imperfection, it's no longer perfect. Holiness cannot live in unholiness. Righteousness cannot live with unrighteousness. So once sin entered the picture, a holy, perfect God became separated from creation. Okay? There was no way we could ever bridge that gap. No way. There was absolutely nothing we could do. I mean, there's, there's no amount of money that buys your way into heaven. There's no amount of, of service. There's no amount of action. There's no amount of anything that can bridge that gap. That's the problem. There was a barrier between humanity and God. That was the problem. And the way God could have addressed it was to say, you know what? I created, I gave them the potential. I gave them everything they needed. They made a choice to do it the other way. So it's their fault. I wash my hands, I'm done. He could have done that. In fact, that's the way we treat a lot of the people in need around us, isn't it? We see the homeless, we see the people in need, we see the people that are broken by the economy, and we go, well, it's their own fault. If they didn't make that choice, they that's not what God did at all. He saw the problem. He knew it was our fault. He knew that we couldn't do anything to help ourselves. And he said, you know what? What they can't do for themselves, I'll do for them. And that's what we're going to read about. Ephesians chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience. Okay, you're dead. The wages of sin is death. Read in Romans. The wages of sin is death. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your men and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. You're no better than anyone else, okay? Just like the rest of the world. You obeyed the devil, the commander of the powers of the unsane world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So pause here for just a moment. This, in case you don't get it, you're screwed up, okay? In case you don't get it, you have failed. In case you don't get it, even if you screwed up one little tiny time in your life, that was still enough. Imperfection and perfection cannot live together. You missed the mark. The wages of your sin is death. If you're honest, you know that we all live to our base instincts. That we're driven by things that put us in bad places that we make decisions based on our own ego and our, our feeling good and all of that kind of stuff that, that put us in places and situations where we know we shouldn't be. He says that's the way the world works. That's where we were. We were dead. We were separated. We were broken. We were, we were being run by our own evil desires. And if, if we're honest with ourselves, we're still there, aren't we? We're there. If we rely on ourselves, if we rely on who we are as people, that's where we are. We're broken. Give me a choice, and nine times out of ten, I'm going to choose wrong. And even when I choose right, I'll find a way to screw it up later. Right? That's where we were. The part I want you to hear there is we were just like everyone else. Because so long the church has stood up on a hill and pointed our fingers at everyone else and said, how come you're not like us? Well, 
And the rest of the world was looking at us and saying, you're no different than the rest of us. Guess what? The world was right. We were wrong. We're no different. We are no different. All of us have that sin nature. All of us have that evil within us. We are no different. Verse 4, but, and then a lot of times, buts or however in the Scripture to lead to bad, this is a good but, okay? But, okay, you are broken. We're down here. But God was so rich in mercy, and He loved us so very much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who is united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done, so none of us have any right to boast. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. What he's saying is, man, we were broken. We were separated. We were lost. But God is so rich in mercy, so rich in love, that he looked at the problem and instead of saying, I wash my hands, he said, I'll go take care of it. And what the story is, is that God sent his only son, and that whoever believes in him and what he did can have everlasting life. And so those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, those of us who believe that he's our Savior, those of us that believe that he paid the price for what we've done wrong, he says he took us from being dead and gave us instead life. And what he did is he came, he lived a life as an example, as a model of who we could be. The first one to do it. And God looked at him and said... Thank you, son, for doing that. And, and then God took all the sins of the world, all the bad of the world, and placed it on the one who was blameless. And he was nailed to a cross, and he paid the price of death that all of us were sentenced to. He paid the price on our behalf. And so when we connect ourselves with him, when we put faith in him, he becomes our substitute. He becomes the payment. He becomes the ransom for which we, we were being held. And when we put faith in it, we go from being dead to life. That gap that happened, the cross bridged it. We couldn't get there, but God came to us. He didn't wash his hands. He didn't turn his back. He said, you know what? They don't deserve it, but I'll give it to them anyway. In fact, what they deserve is death, but I'll give them love and forgiveness. You know what getting what you don't deserve is? You know what the word for that is? Grace. Grace. This Easter, the theme of our, you'll get a postcard coming up in a couple weeks here. The theme of our service is we believe that amazing grace is more than a song. Amazing grace is who we, who we are. This is the story of the gospel, that God loved us so much that even though we deserve nothing, even though we deserve punishment, he gave us the exact opposite. He went to the extreme, to the radical extreme, to prove to us how much he loved us. It is by grace that we've been saved. And Paul says, don't, don't mistake it. 
You didn't earn anything. Don't be bragging about that you're a Christian because you're no better than anyone else. The only thing you have to brag about is the fact that you, you've accepted what God did on your behalf. And that's not even anything to brag about. What are you going to brag about? Yeah, I was a big sinner. You say, there's nothing to brag about. The only thing to do is to celebrate the fact that God loved you enough to offer it to you. Okay? Now, that's, that's part of the gospel, but there's a whole other step in it. And this is, this is the part that we've been missing in the church, okay? It's one thing to accept the grace of God. It's a whole other thing to be a part of offering it to the world. And this is where the church has fallen short. It's not just about you. It's not just about receiving the grace. It's about sharing the grace. What's the great, what's the great commandment? For God's, uh, that's, that's John 3.16, never mind. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your... Uh, come on. Love the Lord your God with all your... Uh, okay, all right. We had different Bible versions working there. And love your... There you go. Okay, thank you. The love for God becomes the way we express ourselves in creation. What he says is, I loved you enough to, to, to save you. I offered you life when you deserved death. I offered you a, a kingdom when you deserved a prison. I offered you a family when you deserved to be cut off. And because of that, if you want to demonstrate how much you love me, if you want to take something, do something with that gift instead of just spitting on it or taking it for granted, then the way you do that is you express that by love for others. That's what he talks about in that last passage where he says, that when we, when we have that gift, that then we can live into the, the good acts that God had planned for us. Other versions say that we were predestined for and we don't need to get into a big pre... You know what your destiny is as a Christian? To love God and love others. That's your destiny. And whenever we live into that, then we are meeting what we were created for. All this talk about what's the meaning of life, what's the purpose, that's what it is. To recognize that there's a God who loves us. To recognize that we weren't accidents. To recognize that there was more than biology that brought us into the world. That there is a purpose. That there's a path. That we can, we can have meaning in our life. That's the purpose of the life. That we can honor God by loving the people around us. That we can elevate Him and glorify Him by loving the people around us. Now for those of you that are new to church, that may be completely different than what you ever heard before. Because I didn't once say shouldn't, oughtn't, wouldn't. There was no guilt, no shame. No, why didn't you? That's how we missed it, folks. It's not our job to judge. It is not our job to draw the line. Our job is to open the door. Our job is to make sure that we don't get in the way. Our job is to make sure that we're not one of the barriers. Our job is to make sure that we flatten the barriers, not create them. Our job is to open the door, not to close it. If we're going to be the church that we're called to be, then we need to be a church that does anything and everything for those we come in contact with. That we don't point our fingers at it and say, man, they're stupid. They've got a, they had their chance. They made dumb decisions. They deserve what they get. Well, you're right. So did we. And look what God did for us. We are not judged. What it says in the Scripture is we'll be judged the way we judge others. That's scary to think about. You're going to be held to the same measuring rod of which you measure others against. 
So my policy always is, man, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to make it by being too nice. Yeah, if, if I see somebody needs some money or whatever, they might go buy booze with it or whatever. Well, I don't know. But if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to make it for being too generous than being too selfish. Because when it comes to being measured, that's the way I want to be measured. That's not our job. Our job is to make sure that we share the message. To do anything and everything to make sure that people know that there is a God who loves them. This is the basis for where we're going. This is the foundation. Uh, this is general, we'll get a little more specific over the next couple of weeks, but this is, the, this is the basis. It's the gospel. Because of what Christ did for us, we are compelled, not out of guilt, not out of shame, not out of have to, not out of ought to, but out of love for God, we are compelled to love our neighbors. We're compelled to do anything and everything we can to help them. We're compelled to love anyone and everyone that walks in our doors. Anyone and everyone that doesn't walk in our doors that we come in contact with in the world. We're compelled, not because of shame or guilt, we're compelled because of the love that was demonstrated for us. Why don't you bow with me, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we have to admit that we... Uh, we fall short all the time. We, we didn't deserve anything from you, and yet what, what a lot of us have discovered is that you have poured out the heavens on our behalf. And there's been times where we've taken that for granted. There's been times where we've just sort of thought you that we deserved it. That God, if we're honest, we, we know it was an amazing, awesome gift. And we don't want to spit on that gift any longer. We want to live into it. We want to live into the potential you created us for. Would you give us that desire to love you by loving others? Would you give us that desire to do anything and everything not let money or the excuses or the, all the different rationalizations, we, not let any of that get in the way, but be a people that's willing to share your kind of radical, extreme love with a hurting world. And we pray that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.